1: times of crisis, ang mga tao well-ingrained sa kanilang maging individualistic in terms of their behavior. Hindi iniisip ng mga tao yung ibang tao. Ang iniisip mo nila yung sarili nila. Kung, kung i-extend man natin siya, probably family members.
2: Ako si JC Punong Bayan and welcome sa Usapang Econ Podcast. Ang Usapang Econ Podcast ay proyekto ng mga batang ekonomista na naglalayong gawing mas fun, relatable at understandable ang economics. Sa special episode na ito, makakasama natin si Robby Alampay ng Puma Podcast.
3: Hello JC at sa Usapang Econ Team.
2: At pag-uusapan natin ang ilang epekto ng health crisis dulot ng coronavirus o COVID-19 sa ating ekonomiya at lipunan. Tama. At dahil may lockdown, ang
3: usapang ito ay ginawa namin online at hindi po sa studio. Kaya pagpasensyaan niyo na po kung tunog telepono. Ang mahalaga, sana, klaro ang aming mga sasabihin at pag-uusapan.
1: Let's start with introductions. Hi, I'm Jeff Arapok. Nandito ako sa school ko sa University of Newcastle. I'm
4: a PhD candidate dito. I'm Dr. Miharu Kimmel. I'm calling in from my home in quezon city we are actually within a one kilometer radius of most of the large hospitals in quezon city i'm a phd candidate for economics as well um, as being a doctor of medicine
5: hi i'm Mayan vital i'm currently in united kingdom so i'm studying here at the university of cambridge and yeah i'm currently in my room naman lockdown pa but they are kind of encouraging us to isolate ourselves.
1: What does covid look like from your vantage point? Dito sa Australia, yung cases magsa si 700 na. And yung death dito is around 6. Unfortunately, nasa New South Wales kasi ako and more than half of the cases ay nandoon sa New South Wales but Fortunately, naman ay nasa yu ako, so hindi pa naman nagpapanik yung mga tao. Ang problema lang talaga dito, mahirap ng toilet paper. Yun lang talaga.
5: Here in the UK, the government is trying to impose stronger measures because the numbers have reached thousands as well, and registered na two hundred seventeen deaths so far. But the cases are concentrated in London and some of the more urban areas in the UK. Ang university mismo yung imposed that na okay, you have to isolate yourselves, and they're encouraging all international students to go home. But then again, a lot of the countries are closing down their own borders. So a lot of students are stuck here. There's a lot of anxiety because the government is not clear. And while of course we're being encouraged to self-isolate, medyo ang hirap din ng mga tao So still paren, pa pubs pa rin.
3: Okay, JC and Jeff, speaking of government na hindi clear ang directions, bring us back to the Philippines. I know the situation is changing quite quickly.
2: I would say na it's a mix of things escalating quickly and in the process, people becoming confused and anxious. Reports are just coming in that we already have around 217 cases. Some people are recovering, pero the way... um, the new cases are being reported, ay parang patas lang siya So parang many people are expecting that this could really get worse in the weeks and months to come. Lots of people are confused. And the government, na confusion a bit the way the policies are being rolled out. Miharu, bah, you can add to the medical aspect of this, yung epidemiology.
4: I would say it's a combination of confusion, but also resignation. People are not really, you know, up in arms <laughs> against the quarantine measures. Partly, I think, because people are aware that extreme social distancing, such as quarantine measures, are actually one of the most effective social measures to control the outbreak, according to the WHO protocol. And we are already in the transmission phase, which is the last or the highest level, para sa kanila. Within this setting, It's really extreme social distancing or imposed, enforced quarantine measures that will do the most good at this point. It's like you're just trying to control how quickly the fire spreads. You can't stop the fire from happening anymore. And in fact, that is no longer the goal.
3: I wanted to start with the concept of social distancing, because I think it's one of the technical things that people really understand. Jeff, why can we grasp it on an individual level, but all of a sudden, once you start to scale it up beyond your immediate circle, all of a sudden, it becomes such a complicated concept. Except that as soon as you go out into the street, or as soon as you need to do something that you need to do, you immediately surrender to, well, I'm going to have to break lines here. I'm going to have to break my own understanding of it. Kasi what choice do I have?
1: Hindi lahat may choice sumunod strictly dito do sa lockdown. Kasi nga, di ba nga, yung iba parang required sa kanila na makipag-interact with other people. Ah, isang magandang example dyan is nung total lockdown, bawal daw ang ang transportation system or wala yung mga public transport, eh paano pupunta yung mga health workers sa ospital? Hindi mo talaga ma'alis na kailangan mong lumabas at kailangan mong ibreak kasi, may kailangan kang ma-achieve for that day.
3: Let's talk about South Korea. There was this article about how the Seoul government was able to contain the spread of the disease, that is, until the 31st patient who tested positive for COVID 19 unknowingly started to spread it to other people.
1: So, yun kasing nangyari sa Korea, yung Patient 31, siya yung nagpabago ng trajectory ng recorded cases sa South Korea. In a span of 10 days, naka-attend itong si Patient 31 ng dalawang church service. Tapos, nakakain pa siya sa buffet sa isang hotel. Kasama yung friend niya. Tapos, yun, nag-taxi siya. Tapos, before that, naka-experience pa siya ng accident. Dinala siya sa public hospital. So, Actually, according to sa Korea Center for Disease Control and Prevention, around 1,160 yung na interact nitong si patient 31. Nagkaroon ng surge sa confirmed case sa Korea. Ayaw natin magkaroon ng patient 31 dito sa Philippines. Magiging exponential yung growth ng case nitong coronavirus.
3: Okay, in that case, yung sa, sa patient 31, that guy didn't know, di ba? I mean, these were all the people that he infected inadvertently and unknowingly, diba? Uh, in other words, this was also a person who had not yet imbibed and internalized, or for that matter, had been ordered to practice social distancing, di ba?
2: This is actually a nice example of what we call in economics as an externality. Na merong kang mga behavior, for example, that affect other people, like bystanders, na wala namang kinalaman yung pero unknowingly hindi mo kasi internalize yung effect mo do sa ibang tao. i guess yung concept of social distancing it boils down to externalities we want to avoid as much as possible people infecting other people
4: if you just say social distancing you know hand washing but you haven't done anything to impose private businesses for example or the government sector to impose work from home conditions you'll still have crowds of people jostling to get to work by 8 a.m every day it's impossible to have social distancing under those conditions why are you not able to practice social distancing in reality when you you're supposed to know people make cost benefit analysis in their minds for every decision that they make whether it's conscious or unconscious and studies have shown that people consistently underestimate risks to health consistently So when you have someone who does not consider risks to health accurately, weighing that off to the possibility of not getting a salary for the day, who's going to win out? Of course, it's going to be your ability to provide for yourself and your family versus some unknown, invisible, possibly distant health risk. And that's what makes public health recommendations so difficult to implement once you know that this is spreading and it's spreading fast.
3: What about behavioral economics? Did policymakers not seem to understand or anticipate? Because when we go from zero to, as you said, an extreme lockdown, I think a lot of the frustration is na isit na isip na isip na isip nyo bato. Ba ba
5: ba You're unable to internalize the costs na inimpose nila to other individuals because they don't fully understand just how much you know, the transmission could actually worsen the situation. You're basically ordering people to, to stay at home, to isolate themselves. But then you have to ask these questions. Can we really enforce that? They have to get their supplies, they have to go somewhere, and then karamihan na mga businesses or service sector, let's say healthcare and education and other industries that you have not ordered to shut down, still have to go on and then you see other people panicking, and then you, you have this kind of mass hysteria brewing in the air just because of lack of information. When coming up with policies, you know, you have to think about behavior that people normally think about.
3: What we're saying is that as social distancing, as this extreme measure happens, that will then trigger more behavior and other behaviors that hopefully we had also anticipated Very often, we don't anticipate everything. Government doesn't anticipate everything. And that leads to, as you said, a lot of unintended uh, consequences, which leads to other behaviors and then creating a dilemma again for government on do we step in or not.
4: When the consequences are costly enough to justify government intervention into the individual sphere, That is when, theoretically, government must have the upper hand. The difference between social distancing and a quarantine is that social distancing is simply a recommendation. It's like somebody saying, wash your hands. It's advice. Quarantine is social distancing that is forced upon people. And I'm not using the word force in a negative sense. It just means that it is imposed under the jurisdiction and the authority of the government why because there comes a time when advice is no longer enough in times of crisis ang mga
1: tao well in green sa kanilang maging individualistic in terms of their behavior hindi isit ng mga tao yung ibang tao ang iniisip po nila yung sarili nila kung kung i-extend man natin siya probably family members i think malaki yung responsibility ng government Na i mo na yung individualistic behavior ng mga tao para makonsider din nila yung welfare ng iba. Isang magandang example is yung sa hoarding. Ang tendency natin mag-hoard ng mga materials like uh, hand sanitizers, face mask Individualistic approach yun eh. Parang gusto mo ikaw meron kang supply. Pero ang problem mo, Itong pandemic na to, kailangan lahat may access doon kung ayaw mo siyang mag-spread, ba? So, I think dito dapat papasok si government na paintindi na para kasing maalis yung individualistic behavior kasi ng isang tao. Pag na-assure sila, hindi naman sila kunwari magkakaubosan ng supply. Pag alam nilang the government is on top of things.
3: I don't know if the numbers bear this out, but I've heard this from people uh, making observations. Uh... Obviously, the Department of Agriculture is there at the forefront of trying to tell people, oh, we have enough rice, uh, we have enough food, and so on. And the panic buying is not necessarily with food. The the hoarding that people uh, take note of are with hygiene products, with alcohol, with face masks, and so on. But it's the same stories of... Nauubusan ng alcohol, nauubusan ng sunrooks, nauubusan ng face mask, and so on. Your point is very clear naman. When people are reassured, they become calm, and therefore there
1: is no incentive to hoard dagdag ko din, ikonnect ko din sa sinabi niyo. Ang problem pa din kasi dyan, kaya din mabilis magkaubosan niya mga face masks at alcohol. Yung mga private, yung mga groceries kasi, hindi rin naman kasi nila iniisip na i-distribute siya sa mga tao. Basta ang goal nila, kumita. Kung may bumili niyan, basta maubos siya. Parang ganun yung goal. Dito sana din papasok yung government na sana naging proactive siya na parang nagkaroon ng executive order about uh distribution ng alcohol kasi kuno na ready dito sa Australia actually parang imbis na government yung nag-act sa simula ang nag-act na talaga is yung mga Grocery. Sila na yung gumawa ng paraan. Ang ginawa nila, kunwari yung mga alcohol, hindi mo na siya mabibilis sa stalls. Kailangan mo na siyang bilhin dun sa counter mismo. Kasi para ma-assure nila na isa lang per person. So, I think yun yung nagiging problem sa Philippines. Kasi yung private entities like groceries, wala naman silang pakialam sa distribution yan eh. Basta makabenta, maubos, kumita. That's it. At what point do you need to override individualistic behavior?
2: This is actually a classic question in economic. When does the government step in? When is it justified to step in? And the classic answer to this is the government must step in or at least justify to do so. If there are market failures like the one Mayan mentioned earlier, yung externalities. When people fail to internalize the costs and benefits that they impose or impart to other people, that's... An opportunity for government to come in. Uh, a good example of that would be the policies. And si natin ng pera yung mga tao para sila sa mga bahay nila. And the purpose, of course, is to avoid them going out and spreading the disease elsewhere. That's one good example of an intervention of government to correct an externality or a market failure. Pero in other instances it's not so clear where the market failure is. So for example, in the cases of uh, markets for personal protective equipment like masks and gloves and alcohol, it's uh, a market failure done. So for economists trained in the classical bent, they would argue that in fact, it's not so clear where the market failure is. And uh, when the government uh, is going to impose some sort of intervention, that might actually be counterproductive say, for example, when there's a sudden surge of uh, demand for masks or other personal protective equipment, if the government imposes a price ceiling, that might result in shortages. And uh, people might end up with fewer rather than more of uh, the thing that they are demanding. So we can link that to sa policy ng government kagabi. They announced na, uh, well, CDI and then see Department of Agriculture, they announced that they will be imposing price freeze on any basic commodities. So uh, just like in cases of natural disasters, this is a reflex uh, of the government to impose a price ceiling or a price freeze. Pero that has implications in markets. Eh? Say we don't want the situation na uh, ng shortages and there will be rationing or queues, long queues. We want to avoid that kind of situation kung saan the price system is unable to allocate resources and we have to resort to non-price mechanisms like rationing to allocate resources. So it's a tricky balancing act.
5: This illustration mo, Robbie, yung sinabi mo na what you noticed na nagkakaubos talaga are the hygiene products. It's the same thing here eh, and also in, in Australia We pag toilet paper like, you would think na nagkakaroon ng hysteria, ng, ng hoarding sa mga ganitong products. And I think it's because of the mass panic when people tell other people na, ay, nagkakaubusan na ng ganitong products. Kaya, ang tendency ng mga tao, ay, nagkakaubusan na. So, tumataas lalo yung value ng product na yon Lalo siyang nagiging scarce. In this pandemic, when people are cleaning out these supplies and then creating that fear na nagkakaubusan na ng mga ganitong products, their tendency nila to consume more of that good.
3: And, and, and you're also saying that it becomes a self-fulfilling... Uh, exactly. Fear. Now we're in lockdown, and we don't know how long this is going to be. What is going to be the trigger for government to tell itself or reassure itself that, okay, now we can either loosen the screws, or step back from everything. Because we've been looking at this from two perspectives. One is the purely public health perspective, including the medical and biological realities that you pointed to. That's a hard reality. There's a virus out there. If suddenly this virus is defeated, then we know we're just counting incubation days before the whole world is released. But the other thing we've been talking about is uh, the rationality of individuals and of citizens. What will signal to our society that it's okay for government to loosen or completely step back from intervening?
4: If I think there are two uh, related triggers that would force the government to uh, loosen their policies. Number one, which I want to talk about first because that's a bad scenario, is if the economic and social effects Of the lockdown exceed the ability of government um, private sector individuals households businesses to deal with them I'm saying this is a bad scenario because it means that we weren't able to support the quarantine Uh, quarantines are very effective from a public health point of view at slowing outbreaks but there's a very big caveat which means that society must be ready to support itself in such a time. Kapag dumating yung point where hindi natin palakayang support yung mga households during this time, hindi natin palakayang support yung mga businesses, government is definitely going to have to reevaluate its policies. They might have to loosen things a bit. They might have to allow concessions to businesses to run. They might have to do their own cost-benefit analysis. How many cases are we willing to accept in exchange for better economic conditions, for example? So that's one scenario, I think, which would lead to a loosening of the lockdown. But again, that's not a good scenario. The second scenario is from the public health point of view, which I would say is the good scenario. And basically what this means is end of an outbreak. For epidemiologists, they talk a lot about flattening the curve, What this really means is that we are getting less and less additional cases per day for every confirmed case. We want every confirmed case to carry out to its resolution, which is either full recovery or death. So if we get less and less cases uh, coming to the fore every day, what that means is that our pool of confirmed cases is not growing at such a high rate. And therefore we're just waiting for these confirmed cases to resolve.
3: So hopefully that's what we're seeing in Wuhan right now a few days straight of good news of declining now they're saying it's zero deaths, assuming that those numbers are valid uh, that's then the scenario we're trying to to picture that eventually you have signs that the virus is being contained
4: yes Robi you want to see that curve flattening out and you want to see it going down eventually and then it might be that COVID just becomes something endemic instead of epidemic.
3: Between those two extremes, what conditions or what principles or what forces should cause government to reconsider either taking a a complete step back from interventions or saying that, yeah, maybe we need to loosen it up a bit?
2: Economists in the world are now thinking that an economic downturn of some sort globally might be optimal. Not in the sense that it's a good thing, but in the sense that we may have to swallow that kind of um, possibility right now. We have to embrace that. This is the age of interventions. We need a lot of interventions and we need government to step up its efforts, whether in the form of um, price controls or uh, subsidies for workers. I mean, in the coming weeks or months, I think we have to demand, in fact, a government to come up with uh, intelligent policies to address this.
1: It's also important that there is a social responsibility and private firms as well it's really a combination of the action ng government chaka ng private sector. So actually, pag ako tinignan ko din naman yung situation, meron din namang silver lining eh. Kasi pag tinignan mo siya, makikita mo rin na yung mga tao, gumagawa sila ng paraan to complement yung actions ng government. And makikita mo rin ngayon na yung mga local leaders or yung mga LGUs, tinatap din nila yung mga uh, private people, NGOs, uh, Ami silver lining para makita mo na na eventually nag-step out yung iba sa pagiging individualistic and now they're trying to consider yung social welfare.
5: Two things. So number one, of course, given na yun, um, the economy will this will really have a toll on the economy. Not just because of the lockdown, but because of the global situation. So there's going to be like depressed demand everywhere else coming from developed countries as well. Second. I'm worried about the informal sector we see that hindi pantay-pantay yung impact sa mga tao so there are sectors that are more vulnerable than the others talking about the poor the informal sectors the day-to-day workers who cannot go to their jobs because of the lockdown so they suffer loss of income they're laid off more easily and they don't have access to transportation, they don't have private cars. So it's kind of hard to get from one place to another to get supplies and everything. And so you have to put in place really good social safety nets, social protection, and a lot of support for people who are most affected by the crisis.
4: Whenever you have great changes in societies, they're almost always preceded by crises of some sort, some kind of pressure that forced society to change, that forced people to change individual behaviors, and that forced institutions to change. And I think that it's very easy to say government has to intervene, government has to do this, government has to provide money, and all that. But the truth is, our governments are not really set up for such actions. Because the point is, they're not prepared. They don't think anyone is. We're not structured for that. And one of the things that we're seeing now is that governments are being forced to restructure, not just management the way that they manage themselves, not just the bureaucracy, but also budgets as well. I think it's important to point out that while this pandemic pays a very high cost, It will create social change, I think. Whether that is for the better or for the worse, it's really to us to decide. Uh, We can't really say what's going to happen, but definitely things will change. And that's where our hope lies, in the ability of governments, firms, businesses, individuals, and households to change.
2: So far, natutunan natin sa usapan na sa crisis dulot ng COVID-19, may tensyon sa pagitan ng interes ng mga indibidwal, pati yung interes ng lipunan. Yung krisis ay nagdudulot ng mga behavior tulad ng hoarding at yung kagustuhang lumabas ng bahay. Pero dahil nangingibabaw yung interes ng lipunan sa crisis na ito, merong papel na pwedeng gampanan ang gobyerno para limitahan o influensyahan ang galaw ng mga tao. Muli ako si JC Punong Bayan. Ako naman po
3: si Robbie Alampay.
2: Mag-subscribe sa Usapang Ekon sa inyong favorite podcast channels. At i-follow kami sa aming blog at usapangekon.com at sa Facebook at Twitter at Usapang Ekon.
3: Ang Usapang Ekon podcast ay isang puma podcast production. Ang nag-produce ng episode na to sina Carl Javier at Kat Ventura sa tulong nina Mark Casilian, Christine Chung, George Ampil at Macy Hoven. Pag nag-edit naman, si Nina Toralba. Maraming salamat.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer.